Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. Like, I'm sorry, I have no sympathy for anyone that dumb to sign a contract that says I don't have to pay you. We did not, this took care of itself. This was, this was sports marketing Darwinism, okay? SI's Russ Dillinger. I listen, I, I read these coaches' comments, and I, I guess it's just like, it doesn't even register anymore because they're, they're all just spewing the same thing. Woe is me, the sport is done, it's, it's over. And SI's Pat Forty. That was my favorite line, and that was, I can do whatever I want. Which is largely true, because John Wildhack, the AD, Kent Severud, the Brent Chancellor, they are more likely to get him coffee than to tell him you need to go. Here's Pat, Russ, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. It's obviously a college football, college basketball, college sports pod, but uh, you guys know I love the UFC. And uh, traditionally, Super Bowl weekend, the Saturday before the Super Bowl, UFC tries to have a big card. This one, they're not so big. They're down in Australia, so they don't have a they're, – they're kind of lacking on some star power right now. But we have fights everywhere in our sport. <laughs> we do. So people mm-hmm. like me who are pro-conflict, <laughs> pro-hurt feelings. I mean, I don't want a war, but, you know, like we want yeah. the scrap. We are abundance of scrap going on right now, are we not? <laughs> we are. I'm, yes, I'm fine with, like, you know, shoot down the balloon as long as nobody gets hurt. So, sure, yeah, that's, right. good, that's good conflict. <laughs> the balloon, you know? yes. Yeah. Shoot the balloon, but not over some guy's house. Right. Yeah. Yeah, we got we got fights all over. So we're going to get to a whole bunch of fights. And we're going to start with the first one here. That's Texas and Oklahoma trying to get out of the Big 12 and into the SEC before 2025. That is the uh, the deal. And they're trying to get out. And the Big 12 is trying to maybe work a deal or maybe not. I don't know. Ross, what what is going on with this uh, this forever scrap that these guys want to just get to their new house and they're – they're stuck right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, what What complicates this one is, well, first of all, there's obviously a lot of different parties involved, and everybody wants, you know, something different, a little different, and compromise is difficult, as we know, uh, at times, and there's, there's a lot of parties here. So there's Texas and Oklahoma is one party. 
There is the legacy Big 12 eight members is another party. There's Fox TV, another party. And then there's ESPN, another party. So these these four parties all have something that they want and there's an issue with compromising. The thing is, is that Texas and Oklahoma and the Big 12 legacy members have agreed. They've kind of agreed, and really this is kind of old news. A couple of months ago, they've kind of they kind of came to an agreement to separate. They agreed they needed to separate, they needed to go their different ways a year before they were supposed to. So they're supposed to get in the SEC, Texas and Oklahoma in July 2025. But now the goal is to to they agreed basically to get in a year early in July 2024. And everybody go their separate ways. The problem is the other two parties in this agreement which is Fox and ESPN, which, as we know, there's a serious rivalry there. You know, these two TV networks are kind of in a a game of world domination when it comes to college uh, football and all all kind of all sports territory, broadcasting territory and broadcasting talent. So those two networks have to also be on board with this agreement because Texas and Oklahoma would be violating, if they leave early, would be violating and leaving one year early of the TV contract, which Fox and ESPN are, are partners. So it's kind of z- zero down to those networks working out an issue. And the big issue is that when Oklahoma and Texas, if they were to leave early, Fox would miss all the games in the broadcasting rights, would not no longer get the broadcasting rights for Texas in Oklahoma for the 2024 season. And it's been suggested to me that Fox picks, you know, about four times, picks each team three to four times. So in between six and eight games, they would miss six and eight games somewhere around there of the 2024 season. They want money for that or they want other inventory created in other games. So that's what's going on right now. I don't think anything is dead. I don't think there's any kind of deadline. There was a deadline for the Big 12 to release its conference schedule, which it did. It was February 1. That was like a network, I think, deadline. A lot of people thought that was also the deadline for this deal to get done. I don't think it was. I I think it was a soft deadline, maybe, but we know how deadlines in college sports work. We saw the CFP and the CFP expansion have like 10 deadlines, and they blew through every one of them (laughs) and finally got it done at the end. This is where it looks like that is going to happen here, too. They're going to push, push, as negotiations do, down to the wire, down to the last actual minute, which could be weeks away. Man. So, yeah, so that means it's, it's ongoing. It is not dead. Ongoing. Do you have any idea what it would take to break the impasse? Yeah, so I, I think Texas and Oklahoma have mostly agreed Again, along with the Big 12 legacy members, agreed on an, an, some kind of exit penalty fee, whether that's $30 million or $60 million. I don't really know. If you do the math and different things for leaving a year early, you might come up with a really big number, like $125 million. But I think that's going to be negotiated down. The, the separate part of this, Fox's inventory. How do you give, give Fox inventory or money for those six to eight games involving Texas and Oklahoma that they're losing? Well, the easy answer is they just play non-conference games against Big 12 teams at Big 12 school at their campuses, and Fox would get the ownership broadcasting rights of those games, right? So that's one way to do it. The problem with that is 
changing future schedules, paying buyouts. A lot of non-conference games are already scheduled years out because that's how they do it in college sports for some weird reason. And so there's paying all these buyouts. There's rescheduling your whole calendar and and rescheduling games. And then you got to get Texas and Oklahoma would want to return, want those games to return to their place at some point down the line, maybe in 10 years, maybe in 15 years, but they would want a home and home. So then there's that part of it. So the latest negotiation thing that I'd heard would happen is what was kind of put on the table involved Texas's non-conference, already scheduled non-conference games with Michigan in Ohio State. So Texas plays Michigan and Ohio State the next four years, uh, or starting in 24. So they host Michigan in 24. They play at Ohio State in 25, host Ohio State in 26, return the Michigan game in 27. So those games could were on the table as potential inventory that Fox could have. And I don't know what happened, but in the last negotiating, negotiation session, whatever is pr- pr- proposed around those Michigan, Ohio State, Texas games, it wasn't agreed to. Something fell through there, and it was just another snag. But again, as somebody mentioned to me who is years has spent years on these negotiations, they hit snags. Everybody walks away, and they almost always come back. You could trade ja- Joe Buck back. Like that. <laughs> that, you know, it's funny. Boomerang that, it's trade. funny that Boomerang several trade. people have mentioned that's that like, they compared that. Like it would basically be something similar to that. Like giving Fox, you know, Michigan versus Texas would what be like the, the Joe Buck Purdue, Purdue versus Purdue, Michigan, Purdue, Michigan. Wasn't no, it? No. Purdue, uh, so Penn State. Purdue, Penn State. Was it Purdue, yeah. Penn State? Penn State. Okay. Penn State. For Joe Buck. That was the trade. <laughs> the Joe Buck Memorial game. And they did not create a, a thing. Yeah, these TV deals are insane. I mean, that's yeah. wild. All of that is absolutely wild. All of a sudden, Texas got to play all these. And they kind of, like, they brought out that schedule. Like, imagine next eight years, uh, you got one more trip out to Kansas State. Got to pay off our debt. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I don't so, want to go. <laughs> no, never coming back. They, they I think, stuck I think with Texas. Ad- go ahead. No, I was going to say, I was going to, sorry, I interrupt you real quick because I, uh, I think Texas and Oklahoma, it sounds like, have agreed to that, have agreed to do that. Now, they want home and home, I think, but they've agreed to do that. In Oklahoma, I think, maybe had in its plan, we would we would go back for these X amount of games to give to Fox. And again, the, it's the Texas thing with the big these Big Ten series they have planned that it sounded like Fox wanted, and for whatever reason, they oh. ESPN and Fox couldn't agree on I it. I could see the Big 12 teams wanting that because you still get an OU and Texas on your campus, so you got to sell mm-hmm. out. Yeah. You know, Texas is at Houston this year, uh, right. which is, you know, not the legacy Big 12, <laughs> legacy Big 12, which is a great term. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally another language in college football. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, the legacy goes back to 1996. It's yeah. not that yes. old, you know. 25-year <laughs> legacy, yes. Yeah, the, yeah we're the legacy Big 12. We we abandoned these schools once, but now we brought them back, or at least some of them. And Oklahoma's, I think, at Cincinnati and uh, – BYU in late November. BYU. Mid-November, yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, the, uh, the Big 12 parting gifts to Texas and Oklahoma were interesting, weren't they? Uh, yes. All right. Yes. Well, we'll see. So, all right. Give us the just quickly the what percent chance that Oklahoma, whatever the solution, 
the Oklahoma and Texas are playing big uh, SEC football in the fall of 24. I think it's 75%, 75 to 80% chance that they're playing in 2024. All right. Uh, You know, I I could be wrong, and and maybe the two television networks just won't get something done, but there's too much pressure. And I think last week's news, maybe, right, was, was part of piling on that pressure. I think there's just too much pressure from the SEC, from the Big 12, from the Big 12 legacy members. I think there's too much pressure from the conference offices to get it done and get it, you know, get it done a year early. All right. All right. Next fight. Yeah. <laughs> Notre Dame. Was that Legends. the opener? That was the opening fight, Dan? That was the opening yeah. fight. This yeah, one's a little like, Yeah, you got a big card, right? Like four or five. I got, yeah, you got to build up, right? You That's build. right. There you go. <laughs> Prelims. This one's pretty good now. Notre Dame legend Tim Brown on Tommy Reese. Now, Tommy Reese is offensive coordinator. He played at Notre Dame, right? Tommy Reese played at Notre yep. Dame. I'm not, yep. Okay, sure I'm not did. getting that wrong. I didn't. I, I remember now. Uh, and yep. then he became the offensive coordinator. Notre Dame fans did not really like Tommy Reese last year. I don't think they really liked him until all of a sudden he got linked to being hired as the offensive coordinator at Alabama, and then everyone was like, wait, maybe we have a good guy here. Or <laughs> Saban's totally slipping because did he watch any of the Irish? <laughs> so he got hired. Nick Saban is hiring Tommy Reese. Uh, and Tim Brown came in with this li- this bit. This is a great day for Irish football and maybe even a better day for Tommy Reese. I've been around a lot of offenses, but the Irish offense last year, with maybe the exception of the North Carolina game, was extremely predictable. Seeing the offense struggle told me one of two things. Tommy was very dependent on Kelly, Brian Kelly, the old coach. And more important, he didn't have the ability to dissect a defense. Uh, what we saw is what I call hero ball. You have a play, a player, uh, basically Michael Meyer, who is better than the person covering, and you throw him the ball a zillion times. Make him the hero. If it doesn't work, you lose. I was at a couple of games where it took everything in me not to knock on the booth window and say, give me the call sheet. <laughs> I truly wish him well. Thanks, Tim. Thanks. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great <laughs> parting message. <laughs> I truly, wish, I truly him well. wish him well. He sucked, <laughs> but I wish him well. sucked, and I couldn't even believe it. And I'm not even a coach, and I still thought it was. Okay. So that's Tim Brown just torching Tommy Reese on the way out of South Bend. All right. Lots to unpack here. One. Before we get to the the mano a mano here, Reese has not responded smartly, and I, we will not hear from him again because he's now in a bunker no. in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> right. uh, His days of interviews are over. Once that's a year right. at the bowl game. Yeah. Once a year, he'll he'll appear. It's great working with Coach Saban. Mm-hmm. Uh, been a blessing. Okay, so if Tim Brown is correct, then Nick Saban doesn't know what the hell he's doing. We know Tim Nick Saban knows what he's doing, but we, you know this is a this is a, Tim Brown. I don't know. Came out and had, said it. Should Alabama fans be worried or, and let me just point one little quick thing out, hero ball works when you have a whole bunch of Michael Myers like you do at Alabama. So maybe not yeah. a bad, it's called get your best yeah. player of the ball. I don't know. They got a lot of guys. Pat, should should what should Alabama fan think of Tim Brown just that down on Tommy Reese and, and whether this is really the solution for, for the Crimson Tide? Well, uh, I mean, I will say it does seem to follow the Notre Dame way that when people leave there for the SEC, they trash the hell out of them on yeah. the way out. Yeah. If you, <laughs> the common theme. If you notice, like, yes, uh, Brian Kelly, all of a sudden, oh, he's a terrible human being. We don't want him. 
we got Marcus Freeman. Now, you know, uh, Tommy Reese wasn't very good. I, but I agree. I look. I think the jury's out on Tommy Reese. I, you know, I think he's done okay. I don't think Notre Dame was ever a great offense. I think they were pretty good a lot of the time, and I do think that it's hard to tell where a really good offensive coach like Brian Kelly ends and Tommy Reese begins. Last year, their quarterbacks were bad. The offense was bad, and, and I'm not sure there whether how much is play calling and scheme, and how much is just you got bad quarterbacks. But they were not a good offensive team, especially in the first half of the season. They scored a whopping 10 against Ohio State, 21 against Marshall, 14 against Stanford, 24 against Cal. So, I mean, I, I can kind of see both sides of that there. Reese is very, very young. He's 30 years old. Uh, he was a bit of a hothead. I don't think that Notre Dame thought he was the most mature guy. You know, we saw the one time of him just absolutely losing his mind, blowing up the quarterback on the phone from the press box. And before that, I think the reason Marcus Freeman got the job over Tommy Reese, first of all, Tommy was 29, but secondly, they didn't think like he was he was quite head coach maturity level. Now he doesn't have to be. And as you guys said, he, he goes away, so he doesn't even have to answer for anything in public. I would think there's probably a good upside with Tommy Reese. I just don't know whether he's there yet. And we'll see that you... The next quarterback ain't going to be Bryce Young. So you you have some work to do down there offensively. You're also going to lose Jameer Gibbs. They're going to have other very good players, but I don't expect that to be as good an offense uh, as we have seen the last couple of years from Alabama. Next guy won't be Drew Pine either. No, no, it won't be. Ross, thoughts? Yeah, yeah that, that's the thing. We we often, and, and we're to blame for this in media, and, and certainly fans are too, we put a little too much stock in who's calling the plays and, and who's drawing them up. What do they say, right? It's about the Jimmys and Joes and not the X's and O's. And he's going to a place where, you know, the Jimmy and Joes are, are the best Jimmy and Joes there are in, in college football. So, and I'm sure that's probably a big reason why he, he took the job. But just statistically speaking, you know, in 2020, Tommy Reese took over being offensive coordinator. So he was, the last three years, he was coordinator. And I think, I think they were like 44th, in total offense, in 45th and 60th, those were his three years. So, you know, statistically, it, it wasn't great. And as Pat said, they certainly have had their share of trouble in scoring in games this this past season. But again, you're going to be given all the resources in the world and all the talent in the world. And I think also, you know, Nick Saban's offense, yes, he's he's – He's obviously over the years he has, you know, he has his offense has changed and it's kind of went into the new age of the spread with Lane Kiffin in fourteen fifteen, and then he got more spread with with Sark. But if you talk to past offensive coordinators at Alabama, they'll tell me you walk in and even though Nick Saban's a defensive guy. You run Alabama's offense. It's what's been run there over and over. You can tweak. You know, you call plays, obviously. You can throw in some of your stuff. You can tweak it. I remember talking to Billy Napier. I pulled up an old story about him for 2019 when I talked to Billy Napier about, and he was part of Nick Stateman's staff for years, and he addressed this issue where it, it's a little frustrating sometimes, I think, being part of that staff because you've got this huge, like Alabama's offensive playbook, at least in 2019 when Napier was giving this interview. It, it, I guess it could have changed the last couple of years, but it was this huge playbook. 
And it was basically a mesh of all of the coordinators that have been there over the years. And you, <laughs> you, that's the playbook. And you do that playbook. You can add some of your wrinkles, but it's the Alabama playbook. It'll be the Alabama playbook. And so Tommy Reese will have to learn a lot about that playbook, but he also will get, uh, as well as he'll get the Nick Saban scheme and playbook and all that, he'll also get the Nick Saban players. And they're really, really good. So, you know, I, I, I don't think that they should be too worried. It isn't the snazziest, most popular name. You know, you heard a lot of Cliff Kingsbury and, and, and um, Kendall Bryles and stuff like that, but I don't know that it matters a whole lot. I really don't, not with, not with their talent. I think I the have a hard less sorry the, the even less snazzy names the defensive coordinator Kevin Steele. Um, yes. I mean you know he's he's an old reliable but but you're not yeah. exactly uh, reinventing anything there. It brought him back. I mean yeah it's, it was an interesting uh, hires. I, I never know what quite to make of the coordinators. It's hard to overreact. Everyone gets all fired up, but in this time of year you don't have a whole lot else going. Obviously mm-hmm. this is Alabama stealing Notre Dame's guys, so it's one thing, but. There were plenty of people at Alabama who, you know, hated Bill O'Brien. And I, I don't know. Like, I mean, okay, Bill, I mean, Bill O'Brien was a uh, offense coordinator in New England, head coach at Penn State, head coach of the Houston Texans. I believe he was qualified for the job. <laughs> and, you know, so who the heck knows? But if you said, oh, we got this 29 year old from, uh, you know, Iowa Western Junior College. <laughs> <laughs> and people get more excited about that. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. All right, quickly then, should Tim Brown, Irish hero for bashing Tommy Reese, or dude, you, you know, let's show a little grace here. What thoughts? Played to the base, you know, and like I said, <laughs> the, the the Irish don't don't like to be spurned, and now they've been spurned twice in a row for. You know, a head coach going to another head coaching job and an offensive coordinator to another offensive coordinator job in the SEC. Tim Brown does have some gravitas. He's he's their last Heisman Trophy winner. Renowned name, went went on to an unbelievable pro career, handled, handled himself uh, very well throughout his, his career. So, you know, it's not like this is Ocho Cinco popping off here, you know, or something like that. I mean, this guy need to put him on the NBC broadcast. Let's have a tell it like yeah, his guy. Right. I'd be fine with that. Was it last year was like Collinsworth's kid and Jason and Garrett, Jason Garrett of the Cowboys. What the hell? I mean, it's like bizarre. I, I don't understand what NBC is doing with their talent, but that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Bring Manti back. They are. They're all into Manti again. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Get out. I mean, I, they used to have Doug Flutie on there, too. It's yeah. Like Doug Flutie. <laughs> he didn't play there. It's the other Catholic school. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can, anybody, can anybody out of Notre Dame possibly handle broadcasting a game a little bit? Shouldn't, shouldn't be too hard. Shouldn't be too hard. All right. Next fight. The next fight. Let's go to this one uh, more briefly. Jaden Rashada, obviously the big, the big story of the uh, – the, the quarterback out of California who first was going to Miami and did sign an NIL deal then, but didn't do his, didn't do, bagged out on that, had to repay the money. Then he goes to Florida for the reported $13 million deal, which uh, then gets reneged on. And so he leaves and now he's at Arizona State for apparently $0. Although really he never was getting much of anything. So the athletic Andy Staples, Stuart Mandel put out this story 
following all the twists and turns and includes the details of the NIL contract, which I had, I had heard was more incentive-based. So this was uh, more interesting. It was like the Gator Collective owed Rashada a half a million up front and then a quarter million a month as a freshman, 291000 and change and and the you know uh, a month as a sophomore three seventy five a month as a junior and then back down to one ninety five a month is a senior uh, if he just sent out a couple tweets and like met up with some fans eight times a year signed fifteen pieces of, of merch and lived good in work Gainesville. if you can get it yeah good work <laughs> if you can get it if, if it was real yeah R- Rashada's problem is he signed this contract and he was going to go to the Gators the problem is this really is not a contract because the contract also states that the Gator Collective can in its sole and absolute discretion terminate the agreement quote without penalty or further obligation so it's like that's not a contract that's someone saying I might pay you unless I yeah. decide I don't yeah. want to <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's the worst contract ever uh, if it's a contract, people are like, well, if he had better representation, they would have got a clause in there that it was owed. If the, if this money was guaranteed, the Gator collective wouldn't have agreed to the, to the, to those numbers. This whole thing is, is silly. He apparently was being advised by a sophomore at SMU. <laughs> Come on, man. I mean, look, I, I don't want in a to real estate like, agent, yes. And a real Brilliant. estate agent, yeah. It was a real estate agent and a kid who's a sophomore at SMU. I don't want to pick on the Rashadas. They've had a hard enough time here. But come on, man. I Come on. <laughs> I don't care if you're a high school kid. If your agent is a sophomore at SMU. <laughs> if you are capable is of getting legal a legal drinking age? Is the, can the agent drink legally? I mean... What are we doing here? Twenty years old, twenty-one years old, whatever. I mean, this is this is the real problem uh, right now. Uh, is the the advice that, that kids are dealing with and the agents that are swarming around that are not really agents, right? Well, or college kids or so, uncle whoever. Oh yeah. So uh, uh, the college administrators are all excited about this story because we got to come up with a system to regulate this. Chaos, chaos, sure. chaos. Jeez. Listen, if Jaden Rashada and his family are so dumb that they hired a sophomore from SMU and a real estate agent, if you can make $13 million, Drew Rosenhaus is on the phone. Yeah. It's the same amount of money as Kenny Pickett made as a first as a as his rookie deal. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, I have no sympathy for anyone that dumb to sign a contract that says I don't have to pay you. We did not. Yeah. This took care of itself. This was. This was sports marketing Darwinism, okay? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Just let idiot like this is a dumb, naive player. God bless you. I root, I'm rooting for you. I hope you do great. But this was a completely naive and cluster of a, of a player side and a completely ridiculous collective. And they found each other in love somewhere on <laughs> Tinder. They both swipe right, and nobody can at all went NIL Tinder, there we go. <laughs> That's what it was. Everyone was going, $13 million for this kid? What? Wait, I wouldn't. Well, I got this soft. I just called the kid's dorm at SMU, and he's totally said it's legit. I mean, this Just hey, whatever. Dan, <laughs> how many basketball stories have we seen, though, like this, where it may not be a sophomore at SMU, but it's some dude named Harry from down the block. You know, Christian all of Dawkins, a sudden yeah. becomes a Christian no, freaking Dawkins. 
at about the same age making deals. It's Christian Dawkins. But you know what? Christian Dawkins also has professional surroundings around him. Yeah. I mean, you could go for it, but I'm not going to cry a river if you sit there and go, I can't believe this blew up. It's like some guys say, man, send me a grand and I'll ship you a Mercedes. And you go, oh, it's incredible. And the internet said, this guy said he... Okay, the car didn't show up as a Mercedes. Uh. <laughs> no, but that's, you get questionable, inexperienced, unethical people making bad deals. That's what, that's what the college sports, are, that's what the, the market used to be. And apparently it still is. So, you know, some things don't yeah, change uncle, that much. Uncle, some uncle was negotiating yeah. this deal. I mean, I don't know. I know they love to regulate and this is a disaster and all that. It's just like, whatever, man, this is funny. <laughs> just let i mean it, lesson learned lesson learned yeah. i don't know ross i will say uh, yeah, I mean, if, if we're going to declare you know, if we're going to declare this like you know an epic disaster let's go back to the numbers ross was throwing out there for oklahoma and texas 30 50 60 million you know, that's that's some, they got real lawyers money. yeah yeah <laughs> they got real lawyers in yeah in fact in fact that leads me into uh it was the oklahoma lawyers who who wrote uh, a lot of the exit legislation in the big 12s like contract and now it's the oklahoma lawyers trying to decipher and get out of the of their own language that they wrote uh years ago <laughs> so how ironic Ross, I believe you spoke to a uh, unnamed, we'll, we'll spare, unnamed athletic director who was taking uh, issue with my uh, free market stance. What was the, what was the, did, uh, were you regaled with the? the that was me. That was Pat. Me. No, not yeah. you. Oh, Pat. Pat did. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, what yeah. was the gist of the argument that we should, should we create a major uh, regulatory apparatus to make sure no one is, no one is foolish en- enough to believe a sophomore in SMU can negotiate a $13 million deal. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> uh, this was a, con- yes, a, a conversation within the last week with an athletic director who I guess is amused by the pod and sometimes irritated by the pod and, and particular maybe. <laughs> sounds like me. Wetzel's, sounds like me. Wetzel's, yeah. <laughs> sounds like all of us. Wetzel's, uh, your, your free market views. They, they, the main thing was like, yeah, do we have a draft? Do we have a setup like the like the pro sports do? No, we don't. So if we don't have that, we can't just have this business marketplace. So what was this point? There was you can't just go free market with college sports. Why not? That was a big. Like, how are you going to do a qu- acquisition of employer employment employees? Well, they're not the employees, point. right? I don't know. Well, that's the thing. He's, they got to come better than that. <laughs> Don't be trying to have proxy arguments to me. Step up and bring you. Come on. Come on, unnamed athletic directors. I will. Yeah, I'm I, easy I, to I find. I will encourage that unnamed athletic director and all others to, to go directly to you. All right. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. 
BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Next good scrap. Jim Beheim versus everyone. Oh, yeah. This is the one <laughs> Jim, we're looking forward to right here. Jim Beheim versus Cloud. Old crotchety Jim Beheim yelling at Cloud. That's right. Fantastic. Awesome. 78 years old. 47 uh, season at Syracuse. He also played there. Arascable. He was, he's, he's a 78 year old man with all the money in the world and he can't really get, lose his job or he doesn't think so. And if he does, he doesn't care. So yeah, Pete goes over there. Good sports writing by Pete. Yeah. Goes over and says, you know, he sees Syracuse is coming through town. This could be easy work. We go see if I, <laughs> right. so I can yeah, see. He if lives in Boston. Bayheim. They're playing BC. Yeah. There see you if go. he's cranky. Bayon said he'd probably return for his 48th season, but didn't want to get into it. But then um, let, just let's lose how much he dislikes, well, pretty much everything. <laughs> this is an awful place we're in in college basketball. Pittsburgh awful. bought a team. Okay, fine. My unnamed big donor <laughs> talks about it, but he doesn't give anyone any money. Nothing. Not one guy. Our guys make like 20 grand. I'm not sure how that worked. Wake Forest bought a team, and we've now hit those noted cheaters, Pitt and Wake Forest. Wake Forest, yeah. <laughs> Off the I love lake. the number three, though. I love the third team he named. Well, yeah, now we're getting into the totally real stuff. totally different than the other two. Yeah. But a little yeah. friendly fire by Pitt and Wake are like, what yeah. happened? Okay, yeah. Miami bought a team. Taking now trees. everyone's like, yeah, they did. They yeah. did. It's like, <laughs> really? This is where we are? That's really where we are, and it's only going to get worse. He's on the side of uh, everyone else. It's crazy. That's why those guys got out. That's why Jay Wright got out. That's why Mike Krzyzewski got out. That's the reason they got out. The transfer portal and everything is nuts. It really is. Immediately, like, wait, Coach Steve Forbes is like, I don't even know what the hell this is about. Uh, we didn't have any money. Pitt storms back. Beheim walks it back, of course, says, I didn't mean Pitt and Wake, but didn't back off of Miami. Didn't back off by the way, is coached by, you know, Cutting edge, young, up and coming coach Jim Laranega. Like well, damn near as old as Bayheim. Yeah, these new guys, this new generation, Laranega, new kid on the block. I don't know. Then we get from the top rope, uh, just jumping in or jumping into like the battle royal from all sides. Brandon Knight, the former oh. Pitt superstar guard, great player at kind of the turn of the century. Now an assistant at Rutgers goes, um, he starts pulling, re- tries to remind Jim there might be some receipts out there in the colorful annals of Syracuse v. NCA enforcement. This sounds like sour grapes, Knight wrote uh, on Twitter. Next time, ask Bayheim how many teams he bought before NIL was legal. Don't throw stone, stones in a glass house. Remember, you've been coaching a lot of years, and a lot of us know who got paid I, for one, believe Derek Coleman was only interested in his academic advancement. <laughs> for sure. In the for beautiful, sure. wonderful city of Syracuse, and it's great weather, too. You know, it attracts great weather. The they, they, yeah. they got kids out of L.A. and Houston to come mm-hmm. there just for the, oh, just yeah. for the, for the lovely winters. Well, they yeah, got the dome, right. you know. It's, uh, yeah. I, Always it's, yeah. I Okay, so there are so many fights going on here. I don't even know <laughs> who's fighting who at the end. <laughs> Pat, your thoughts. I think you put it well with Jim Beheim versus Cloud. Uh, that, 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 that summed it up. <laughs> He's basically like, the sport sucks. These coaches suck. Everything sucks. <laughs> My team sucks, but I ain't quitting. My paycheck's yeah, good. Right. I don't know. 
I like I Beheim. I always have. I love stuff like this. This is just this is Jim Beheim at his best. <laughs> Jim Beheim. Anyway. I deserve to suck as long as I want to, and you can't get rid of me. That was my favorite line. And that was I can do whatever I want, which is largely yeah. true because John Wildhag, the AD, <laughs> Kent Severud, the print chancellor, they are more likely to get him coffee than to tell him you need to go. They're terrible. They're not making the tournament this year. They didn't make the tournament last year. They barely got in the tournament in 2021, then won a couple of games because their zone did its thing. Missed the tournament. Well, they would have missed the tournament in 2020. Everyone missed the tournament. Missed it in 2017. That program is a shell of itself. And Bayheim's out there like, what? 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 I'll, I'll leave when I want to leave. Somebody stand up and tell him to leave. He's 78 years old. I mean, your endless tenure should have an ending date. You should not just be able to say, yeah, I'll get to it. And everybody go, okay, we don't care if we're no good anymore. It's fine. Give me a break. Mike Hopkins was the successor in place, and he got tired of waiting and has been at Washington for like five years. That's how long the succession plan was supposedly been there. You know, I mean, look, I, I agree with you, Dan. Like, Beheim has a lot of sides that are actually likable. But this part of it is just obnoxious to me. This is completely obnoxious. And he is very much gilding the lily in terms of his guy, his booster. Like, that guy's bringing in, he is paying for recruits to come visit the campus on unofficial visits. That is compensation in an attempt to get a recruit. That's trying to buy recruits. So you can say it's not, but that's exactly what it is. And then you're going out firing shots at everyone else. Holy moly, Jim, take a nap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the NCAA, had. Uh, it's funny you mentioned that about paying players to come for visits, which obviously is an inducement to get them not only to get them to campus to visit the school, but to eventually sign with the school. Uh, and that's happening at a lot of places. And it's funny, you know, we talked last week about the NCAA enforcement, like beefing up its staff and changing the standard of a violation. And one of the things that was in there was was about yeah about inducing or paying a prospect to come to a visit because I think the NCA's heard that that's happened at a lot of different places, which is not supposed to be legal and is something they claim that they're gonna look into. So it'll be interesting. I I, I nowadays guys I just like uh, I listen I I read these coaches comments and I I guess it's just like it yeah, I don't even. It doesn't even register anymore because they're they're all just spewing the same thing. Woe is me. The sport is done. It's it's over. It's a disaster. It's chaotic, and it's just over and over again. They're saying these things. the The stuff that that um, registers with me is the stuff like they're like like Lane Kiffin. The the coaches who are out like embracing it and like fighting for it. I love that. But the the these coaches. I mean, it just. It's time just to, like, shut up, you know? <laughs> well, that's the thing that makes that's it interesting is happen. when they get specific. Yeah. No, when they get specific and they point fingers specifically, that's what got Nick Saban in trouble. Yeah. And boy, howdy, right. this has been a similar backpedal from a similar— And he walked back it, too, right. Older, legendary coach, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is funny, Pat. You were talking about Syracuse's record the last few years. I, was, I went back and looked. They haven't finished— Top five in the conference, in the conference standings since 2014. Yeah. Rough. Yeah. I mean, they've just been an average program. They they sneak into the back end of the 
tournament. They've got their, the last four tournaments they've been to, their seeds were 10, 11, 8, and 11. Now, they've had a couple of good runs from there because, again, they play an unorthodox style. But like a place like Syracuse, they want to win a lot of games. They don't want to just win a few and get enough, you know, and then have three good nights in March and say, yeah, that was great. I mean, come on. So a couple things, just a <laughs> topic stunt. Mike Hopkins is now in his sixth year at Washington. He was <laughs> first first rumored to be the coach in waiting at Syracuse in 2007. He was not he was not officially given the job until 2015. Uh he was the coach in waiting. Uh, yeah, he's he was like, this is never happening. I'm going to take the Washington job. So he's been there six years. One of uh, somehow I just came across this story. This is this is why I love Beheim. Beheim, I just like the guy. I don't know. I mean, he's he's very entertaining. He totally, he's always been telling it like it is. I remember the time he told me at uh, it was a summer basketball tournament. I'm talking to him, and he's like, yeah, he's like this this Carmelo Anthony we got. He's the best player. I, He's he's the best player I'll, I'll ever coach, and he might be the, the he's going to be one of the best players in the history of the Big East. And uh, Carmelo was obviously highly regarded, but he it was when Beheim because he had been up there in the summer working out, and when Beheim says something like that, because he just tells it like it is, he'll say his team sucks, he'll say we aren't big, you know, whatever it is. But he was just like, yeah, this guy's unbelievable. He's like, he's going to be one of the best. He might be the best player ever in the Big East or something like that. And it was like, oh, really? And sure enough, right? As in terms of yep. college career, can't do much better in one year than Carmelo. So I have, yep. I've always liked him. And I like that he's just stubborn, sticks to his thing, recruits like two. He, he says, one time he told me, like, I only have like seven guys that can play on the team. He goes, I don't recruit <laughs> more than two guys a year. Right. Because Billy, he goes, I had this loaded team once and Billy Owens wasn't getting any time. And, he, and he's like, only playing like 25 minutes. And he goes, coach, I can come here to play 25 minutes. And he was like, I learned that lesson. Like, <laughs> you got you to gotta let the big dogs run the whole game, put up their numbers. So anyway, back in, uh, back in, I don't know what this was, 2015, he got suspended for nine games for some NCAA kerfuffle. The NCAA took 101 wins, you know, away, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Took eight scholarships, put them on probational 2020, <laughs> and suspended Bayheim for nine games. So, obviously, compliance uh, is, a, is a real factor here. Uh, so, they asked him what he did. This is Jack McCallum on SI. What would you do during your month off? He said, uh, I watched uh, a lot of Food Network. Uh, I watched a lot of Barefoot Contessa, Contessa? and Diner. Yeah. Diners, drives, and dives. Yeah, Guy Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like diners. You're suddenly stuck at home in Syracuse in the middle of winter with nothing to do. You just watch diners driving. Pursued magazines, quote, just like the other old men at the Barnes & Noble. Read some crime novels. He liked Michael Conley. And in general, drove, drove himself a little bit crazy. Highlights of the exile. Can't think of any, said. Got to watch his kids play. He watched some movies. I really liked Creed, like the movie Creed. Home repair projects. I don't have any skills in that area, he said. <laughs> cooking. Admire the honesty. Yeah, cooking. I only watch other people cook. That's <laughs> so the cooking shows. <laughs> this, is Be- this is Bayheim, right? Take out the garbage. I'd screw it up, and Julie would only correct me. 
Anyway, he apparently forgot about the nine-game suspension for that. I don't know. Um, yeah. I, uh, I, I think even Bayheim's like, ah, I shouldn't have. I didn't need to say that. The funniest part is the big cheater out there is the other 70-year-old coach in the ACC. Yeah, right, Larinaga. And yeah, Larinaga's finally got players. The thing is that, like, this is why NIL, like, evens the playing field on teams that, like, wouldn't do all that stuff. Well, yeah. Like, I don't right. know. I don't think Larinaga was, like, out trying to cheat a lot. If he did, he would have got to the ACC a lot quicker than, like, whatever, how he finally made it. Yeah, 30 years or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it, took, it took a slow burn to get there. <laughs> the the Bayheim suspension and that, uh, that probation, by the way, was a part result of uh, Charles Robinson and I spending oh, was that many, the, the many drug quality. drug testing that they, they just didn't yeah, drug, the drug test testing. Yeah, they act, yeah they, they, they kept forgetting to bench the guys that failed the drug tests. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. 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 You know he never yeah. wanted the drug test. I don't know. <clears throat> no, I mean, look, that, that's you're you're doing that to yourself as a school if you have a drug testing policy. But if you do have one, you should probably follow it. Yeah, if you're going to have one, do it. All right, Pat, are, is Syracuse going to play Wake or Pitt? Can we get some grudge match games? The they fans? do play both of them. Yes, they, on they, the road they at all. Pitt on the road, February twenty fifth. And they've they've gotten the atmosphere a little bit back at the Peterson Events Center. I bet it'll be all the way back for that game. Yeah. And then Wake Wake comes to uh, Syracuse for the last regular season game, March fourth, which will not be Jim Beheim's last home game. Damn it! If he's got anything to say about it, oh, that could uh, be. The, yeah. I mean, it could be, but I just I, how, how did Wake even spring to mind? I don't know. I mean, Wake and Pittsburgh are like bubble teams and haven't been in the tournament in forever. Well, he and can't really, say anything about Nike, which is like, you know, yeah, right, right. is like the undercurrent that steers players to <laughs> Carolina and Duke. That's really his problem is he's, Nike isn't helping Syracuse anymore. Well, they used to. Now it's, you know, maybe or maybe they did, allegedly. I'm sure every know. kid just wanted that, that central New York experience. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, good times, good times. <laughs> All right, next conflict. It's conflict week. This is between um, an official at the Harvey School District in Chicago, Illinois, named Vera Liddell, and the law. That's what okay. this is. All right. Vera is the former director of food services at the school district, and it turns out she stole, she is accused of stealing... $1.5 million worth of chicken wings. <laughs> Jesus. That's a hell of a Super Bowl party she's going to throw. Get to Vera Liddell's Super Bowl party this weekend. <laughs> yeah. One, first off, I want to go to a school where they're serving buffalo wings at lunch. Yeah. Come on. Right? Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bring a PB&J. <laughs> Got like that, you know, the, like the chicken, the little chicken puck sandwich or whatever, you know. No, nah, I got, <laughs> I got the chicken wing. I got the, I got some wings coming at lunch. I'd be down that calf then. One point five million in chicken wings. That's an extraordinary theft, Pat. What do you think? <laughs> That's incredible. That's ambitious. That's like Buffalo Wild Wings out there saying, "Damn, we got competition. Oh. Competition on the streets." 11,000 cases of chicken wings were ordered. <laughs> 11,000? What? Was she a street-level distributor? Is that what you're doing, driving around selling them out of the trunk of her car? 
What? Yes, but like, I mean, who's that desperate for a chicken wing that you buy like <laughs> not? You can buy, like, you buy like a hot chicken, like heard a Nashville hot chicken. This is really hot. Like fencing yeah. chickens. <laughs> who Fence who is buying these? <laughs> I don't know. That's it. You, you got to find the price point where you can beat, you know, food lion and whatever, but still make a profit. I mean, if you're stealing it, you're clearly making a profit, but holy moly. <laughs> yeah. Half off chicken, the chicken shops. I, yeah. I did not. I never thought chicken, chicken wing was that big of a like crime problem. <laughs> She's like Walter White cornering the methamphetamine market in Albuquerque, Breaking Bad. She placed the orders with Gordon Food Services, the district's main supplier, from July 2020 to February 2022. And the, the, the reason they figured out it was a problem where students were being educated remotely during that time and did not attend school. <laughs> Didn't have lunch. <laughs> that would be a she, tell. Uh, that would be a tell. All right. Why is this school spending 800000 on lunch when there is no lunch being yeah. served? <laughs> she overlooked that item. The kids are at home this time. <laughs> I love uh, it. Yeah. They don't know what happened to the chicken wings. So <laughs> Chicago is just a wash in 1.5 million extra chicken wings. <laughs> Underground wings. <laughs> oh, yeah. my gosh. Got to, like, shave the serial number off of the box. It's like weapons. Yeah, apparently. And finally, we have a uh, we have an eating challenge that I, I don't know if you guys are interested in. An eating challenge. Mm. Uh, Jimmy John's, the uh, mm. sandwich place. Mm-hmm. Nothing good. Nothing like a good Jimmy John's. It uh, is it's it has created a massive beanbag chair. You can get a beanbag, and the bag is decorated or like the outside of the bag looks like a Jimmy John's chip bag. Okay. You know, they have like those Jimmy yeah. chips. Yeah. Like you can't just yeah. get them. Yeah. 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 So you can get a bean bag <laughs> with it that looks like, I mean, that's, I don't know if I really want that on, but if you want one, you can get one for free. All you have to do is eat all 25 sandwiches on the Jimmy John's menu between now and March 15th, the Ides of March. Oh, heck. That That's, that's not that way. hard. No, yeah, you, I mean it's not that big of a challenge. Like, yeah, you um, almost you don't have to eat one a day. You could eat, yeah, you could basically yeah. eat one every other day or so. If mm-hmm. if you if you go and eat uh, a Jimmy John sandwich, there's the plain slims one to six, the originals one to six, the JJ BLT Jimmy John's BLT. There's the favorites. There's the JJ Gargantuan, and I guess you 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 know you got to register and all that stuff. You could win the uh, the thing, so I don't know any thought, any interest in this. I have well, two problems with it. I mean, what you're winning probably isn't worth the triglycerides. Oh, like, I was about I mean, to who say, who the hell wants yeah. the who the hell wants the bean pack? Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a yeah. it's really a crap gift. It's, uh, you got to yeah. see this thing. It's not. I mean, it's. I'm googling it. It's like, <laughs> ah ha ha! You got a Jimmy John's bean bag chair, like kind of funny for like three seconds, and then you're like, is that thing really in my living room? <laughs> yeah yeah this thing Plus, who I, wants yeah. this thing this is not i'm looking at it now after google imaging and i mean uh this is it's it's not very uh creative it, it does it looks like a bag of chips but why would you want that what who wants to sit on 
<laughs> a, a, a fake bag of chips filled with beans, beanies, you know, beanbag beanies or whatever they call them. This is, yeah, I, this is not worth doing, getting, eating 25 sandwiches. I love Jimmy John's actually, but, but yeah, this is not worth it. No, better be a better price than this, Dan. So you got the Pepe ham and provolone. You got the Big John, that's roast beef. I like the Big John, to- yeah. Totally tuna, self-explanatory. Turkey Tom. Who are the, like, who's the John and who's the, I guess, Jimmy John? Is that it? Big John? Who's, to- who's Tom? Who's Jimmy? <laughs> Tom? I, I like the, the Italian nightclub one. That's oh, that's a good one, too. Go to. yeah. Is that Vito? But here's my problem with so, that. Yeah. That, like, and I don't know whether this is, I'm not sure I've eaten enough other sandwiches there to know, but, like, the meat slides out. Like, you know, you start biting it and the meat's coming out of the end of the oh, side yeah. and stuff. It just, it doesn't hold together terribly yeah. well. That's my Jimmy John's problem. So then you're like using your hand to smash it in there and then you yeah. get stuff all over your hands. That's true. <laughs> your hands smell like onions and red wine vinegar and mayo, whatever. So it's true. It's true. My- it's true. Yeah, it's true. I like, I like, uh, what's the, uh, what is the New Jersey, Jersey Mike's? Uh, Jersey Mike's yes. is like a better version of Jimmy John's. It, it's Ooh, like a, a the better version. Uh-oh, what? Uh-oh, Dan. Got well, I don't know. You that. just throw stuff like that out there. You're going to get know. some heated response on I social know. media. <laughs> I think it's like a better version of Jimmy John's. I agree. One thing I've learned is be very careful when you just rip someplace with like 4,000 restaurants. They, this people just... <laughs> Firehouse I'm with also Ross. Good. I stand with Ross as Jersey Mike's better than Jimmy John's. <laughs> Jersey Mike's is great. I love the Mike's way, yeah. which is the oil and yes. vinegar and the lettuce and tomato the and oil. the onions and a little yeah. oil and vinegar, salt and pepper. You know, there you go. All right. Well, I guess no one, no one here is going to make a run for the uh, the bean bag. But no. uh, if anyone wants to uh, log into the Jimmy John's website and keep us posted on your your uh, your claim. I mean, if you like. Yeah. You work and you got a Jimmy John's next right near your work and you're going to go over there for lunch anyway. And maybe, maybe you're, you're needing a little more furnishing in your house, you know? So at the Olympics go get in Rio, I went to Subway every day. Oh, God. Yes, you did. Almost every day. I, that was my goal was to learn how to speak, uh, order a turkey sub in Portuguese. That was my goal. <laughs> You, the one time I ate there with you, which was near the end, you were getting close. I, think I got it. Get... I did it at the yeah. end. It was okay. no, actually, I didn't. It's some, I can't remember what happened. There was some mess up, but it was close. It was yeah. close. I was trying. They were working with me, the sub, the sandwich artists. <laughs> it was a beautiful moment of international like hand slinking. You know, not easy, right. man. Not easy. <laughs> I'm not speaking Portuguese. <laughs> I started at zero. I didn't know anything. <laughs> This reminds me of this Seinfeld episode where Elaine has to eat all this. She's trying to eat the subs and get the. They're trying to every time you eat a sub, you get the you get a card and you get it punched. Oh, you know, yeah. you got to eat yep. ten subs in a certain amount of time, and she's she's like she has one sub to go. And Jerry asked her, "Well, you're eating all these subs. Like, what do you get at the end?" And she said, "Well, you you get a free sub." If you eat ten, you get a free you get a free sub, and you get a hat too, some kind of hat as well. It's like, yeah. what are we doing? What are you doing? Jerry's like, what are you doing? What really? This, this bean like, bag. It's like, what are we doing? This is like that. Yeah, this is a Seinfeld episode. Eat twenty five and get a, a bean bag. Get out of here. I would Let's, like to have sat in the pitch meeting and heard. All right, what are we going to give them if they do it? A bean yeah. bag chair. Yeah, yeah, bean bag chair. What? 
Well, the last thing you want in this case, if you're going to eat 25, is probably a free sub. It's like, I don't want any more subs. Yeah, right. I don't know. 25 in 40 days. That's, yeah. That's that's a solid effort. All right. Well, that's our show. We're out of topics. What does Bayheim think of that? That's what I want to know. I'm sure he's furious. I want the Bayheim should have his own pod where he just complains about everything all day. Be great. Yeah. Just the, yeah, a 30 minute railathon per day from Jim Bayheim. Yeah. Here's here's who I'm mad at today. I love it. I love we it. We should have Sometimes. him on the pod, on the pod and just give him different topics like red. I'd have Beheim on the pod. I don't, we don't like guests, but I'd have Beheim on. Respect. Got to respect. Okay. Sometimes he's mad at me. Sometimes he likes me. Same with he's Pat. Probably I know mad that. at me. He's probably like mad he's, at me. I think he's been mad at you more than me. Yeah, I'm much more likable. All right, that's a, that's <laughs> the pod. We'll be back later this week with uh, who knows who else is fighting, and we'll, uh, we'll 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 work the Super Bowl in there maybe a little bit. And, yeah, do that. So keep uh, keep subscribing. Share us on social media. Tell your friends about us. And uh, we'll talk to you later.